0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine the creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save-A-Seminars. She's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade.
0: Uh, Ah, hello, everyone. What a pleasure to be with you. And, ooh, have we got a hot show we have a special guest tonight who has been running into a lot of controversy because our question tonight is how much should a woman give up in order to get what she really wants from a relationship, and why, by the way, do women have to surrender at all? My guest tonight is Laura Doyle. He, she's a radio show host, New York Times bestselling author of *The Surrendered Wife*. The Surrendered Single, and the free ebook Six Lessons for Lasting Love. Her books have been translated into 15 languages, published in 26 countries. She's appeared on CBS Evening News, Dateline, NBC, Today Show, The View. And for starters, she's been featured in The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, LA Times, and The London Telegraph. Over 150,000 women claim Laura not only save their relationships, but show them how to become desired, cherished, and adored. You can reach her at her website at www.lauradoyle.org. And this week and every week, I want you to understand that as your good love doctor, my mission is that you learn what you truly want and deserve. And we focus on why good love is essential to your greatness, when you learn how to love, you become a great person, how to identify negative love patterns that might be blocking you from true intimacy, and how you can break the chains of what happened back then, so you're free to be present with the love that is right now. So I'm so pleased to introduce our guest, who in a recent blog said, divorce is like tooth decay totally preventable for a woman with the right skills and habits. So let's get out that floss, Laura Doyle, welcome to the show.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Dr. Wade.
0: The pleasure is mine because I know there are a lot of women rolling on the floor right now, rising with what do you mean surrendered? So tell us about that. What do you mean by surrendered? Well, a surrendered
2: wife knows that she can't control anyone besides herself so she doesn't try she doesn't tell her husband how to drive or what he should eat for lunch or uh what to do at work or what to wear to the party instead she focuses on her own happiness
0: and that
2: in turn really improves the intimacy So surrendering is just something that we all have to do. I mean, you might be stuck in traffic and you wish the traffic wouldn't move, but you can't make it move. But you could decide that you're going to use that time to listen to music that you love or an audio book or talk on the phone. You could be grateful for the situation that you're in and make the best of it.
0: Now, why the word surrendered? Because that's an interesting word. Well, it's I like I've got my hands up and I'm waving the white flag. Is that what we've got? <laughs> no,
2: no. I don't. I don't think of it that way at all. I, I, you know, surrendering is not uh, giving up. It's letting go. So there, mm-hmm. there are things we all encounter that we can't control. Our mother-in-law, you know, the traffic, the the kids, principals, uh, principal at school or teachers at school there are always these situations where uh I'm reminded of the serenity prayer, right? The the wisdom to know the difference between the things that I can change and the things that I can't. Uh really is what the word surrender is all about. And it wasn't until I surrendered in my own marriage that I was able to uh well save us from the brink of divorce for one thing.
0: Huh. So tell us more about your story. What brought you to write this book, and I, of course, am intensely curious because I'm a big respecter of the learning that takes place when we're children. What did you learn from your own parents about marriage?
2: Well, they are divorced. And so, uh, and that was, there was no uh, Relationships 101 class where I went to school, so the only lessons I got about how to have an intimate relationship were watching mom and dad. And it was a failed recipe by definition, right, because it ended with them apart. And and not a not an easy divorce. I don't know if there's such a thing, really. They're all pretty tragic, but it was a very bitter divorce. Well, unless divorce. Gwyneth
0: Paltrow Gwyneth Paltrow apparently has got the only one. What was the word that <laughs> came up for hers?
2: And you and I are a little skeptical about that, huh, Dr. Wade? <laughs> Just yes, a we skeptical. are. <laughs> I know, but maybe her p r agent though is probably doing real well for her that way, but uh no so uh i I you know was really excited and happy to be married to my husband, I just thought it was. Just so amazing that he loved me and wanted to marry me. And then a few years in, I decided that I was better at just a few things, maybe, well, practically everything actually. And so I was just giving him helpful advice about how to be tidier and how to be more romantic and just how to, you know, ask for a raise at work, just little helpful things where I was just going to improve him a little bit. But I didn't know that helpful in wife language equaled critical in husband language. And I had just really driven him away he was very distant I remember he preferred watching tv even to making love to me so that was just gone too and the whole thing was really painful now Laura I
0: just want to go on record and say you're the only woman I have ever talked to who was helpful to her husband (laughs) in that way I, I certainly myself have never done that. Been You've never helpful. offered a helpful. I
2: know. Oh, no. I know. No,
0: it's, no, it's really no. kind of a characteristic helpless. of mine, right? <laughs>
2: okay. I know. You
0: know what was it's, cool
2: was, you know, what, what was really fun for me when I first wrote the book, The Surrendered Wife. I told my husband, we self-published it, and I said, I think there might be like a lot of women that would be interested in reading this that are maybe a little controlling with their husbands. I said, I think there might be like like 2,000 women who are controlling. <laughs> so and we, went, and we went to town with that. And then, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies later in 16 languages in 27 countries, turns out there are more than 2,000 controlling women out there. It wasn't just me, yeah, so the, it was really nice. Is, and,
0: yeah, the thing is, we women who are being helpful don't read it as control. I certainly, no. God knows, in, in my work, I've encountered thousands and thousands and thousands of women who really, in their heart of hearts, believe they're being a good wife. Now, everybody, yeah. listen carefully. Listen carefully because Laura is, I know she's raising the hair on the back of your necks right now. I know it. But I want you to hear that there is a way that men hear language differently than women. You know that in the seminars that we put on, we've had John Gray and a number of other men come into our seminar who have all said women don't realize that so-called helpfulness comes across as suffocation, control, and not just criticism, but a put-down. So, Laura, so far, so far, I can't argue with what you're saying. But I know <laughs> that there are a lot of women saying, Are you asking me to do even more than I already do when he's not doing enough? Uh,
2: well, you know, it's actually the, just the opposite. I'm going to ask them to do less. Less is much more in marriage, it turns out. And so, and this is what I discovered. In fact, when I first. Decided, well, the first thing I decided to do was uh, I was going to, I knew what to do. I was going to take him to counseling, and then the counselor could fix him, and then I would finally be happy. This is how I thought back then. It's a little embarrassing to say it now. But that, you know, that didn't work either. Uh, So, what I ended up doing was I decided that I was going to stop offering any helpful suggestions. I wasn't going to give him any advice, I wasn't going to teach him anything. Um, I wasn't even really going to give him my opinion on things that I thought he could probably figure out for himself. And so what happened at first, and I joke about it, like needing duct tape over my mouth just to keep it shut because I was – so in the habit of being helpful. But what happened in the beginning was I felt like a mute, like I felt like I had nothing to say. And I thought, well, he's going to really wonder why I'm being so quiet. But he did it. He just seemed happy (laughs) that I wasn't picking at him. And really, let's be honest, I wasn't nagging him anymore.
0: So what kinds of things were you nagging about that you had to stop? Because – Maybe what you call nagging isn't what the rest of us call nagging. What do we <laughs> yeah, That's true. Well,
2: let me give you my definition of nagging. Nagging is when you say something more than once. More than once. If you have to say it more than once, that's a nag. So the kinds of things that I was in the habit of nagging about, it's really embarrassing, but I would um, say, well, why don't you clean your office? Or we'd be driving, I'd say, you're going to turn left here, you're going to hit rush hour traffic this way. Or I would say, um, you know i would complain like this kitchen is a mess and you never help me with with cleaning up i was really nasty in fact the way i'm saying it right now doesn't even convey how nasty i was uh and honestly i didn't feel good hearing my own voice i was i sounded like my mother on her worst day with this shrieking and nagging and nastiness and so of course his face wasn't lighting up when i walked into the room because he was just anticipating the next thing i was going to say that was critical
0: or controlling Hmm. Now, Laura, the obvious question is how does a woman get what she needs yeah. and help? And we all know that still women, if women are in the workplace, they're working the double shift. She's uh-huh. going to work just like he is. She comes home. She's cooking and cleaning if they're children. Women still yeah. have 70%, if not okay. more, yeah. of care children. So this is what why do I do? say
2: they they need to do less and not more. So so one of the interesting things, so I was working really hard um, back in the bad old days when my marriage was really suffering, and I really thought that I had to do everything, but of course I had kind of controlled him out of doing things, like he would load the dishwasher and I would unload it and load it properly, so I kind of taught him not to well, do that. Well, there is
0: a proper way to load the dishwasher. <laughs> I knew it. Well,
2: <laughs> we can go on YouTube and watch your demonstration potentially, but the problem oh my is so I haven't done
0: the dishes That in is years one of now. the most common fights that couples have that's so crazy. Isn't it? And you it's, don't it's have silly, to be, by the way, everybody, you don't have to be in a heterosexual relationship to listen to some of this advice because I've worked with couples from every possible walk of life, sexual orientation, and I am telling you, fights over loading the dishwasher have got to be number one. I wonder if anybody's done any research on that. I don't but go know, ahead. So but I mean, how to load the dishwasher?
2: Exactly. So I had to do everything. Right? I had to do the laundry because he didn't fold it right. I had to do the dishes because he didn't load the dishwasher right. So, I, so part of what um, was required for me. So, and so it's that too bad my husband's out of town right now so he he isn't doing the dishes but there'll be like I'd be doing a call like this on the radio and there'll be dishes in my sink because I've decided that's preferable to me doing everything my husband does the dishes now um I do all the cooking he does all the dishes and they don't always get done when I want them to get I think they should be you know loaded immediately after the meal but that's not how he sees it and since he's responsible for it i've gotten really good at just ignoring the dishes and then there's these other little fringe benefits like people come over and they see a couple dishes in my sink and they're like oh that's great laura's human like she's not perfect so they can let their hair down a little bit too so wow so you're practicing
0: a rule called the doer does the person who's doing it gets to do it without any help and without any coaching. Now, if you want to join the conversation and you have a question or comment for Laura Doyle about the surrendered life, and by the way, give us that subtitle I kind of like the subtitle, Laura.
2: Sure. It's a woman's practical guide to having intimacy, passion, and peace with her man.
0: Intimacy, um, passion, and peace.
2: That's what Sounds we all like want, right? This is, yeah, this is what's led to... Me feeling desired, cherished, and adored every day for life.
0: Wow. Okay, so being desired, cherished, and adored. So say a little more about what that has to do with changing what you're calling controlling behavior. Because what well, are some um, skills yeah, that you want people to follow.
2: Right. There's There's actually six. Intimacy skills, it turns out. I didn't learn any of them in my house, and there was no Relationships 101. So I don't know where we're supposed to learn this, but I have a, I have an organization where we coach women on these intimacy skills. And so the very first one that you have to do, the most indispensable step, to having um, an intimate, passionate, peaceful relationship is you have to make yourself happy because only happy women have happy relationships. It sounds obvious when I say it that way. But here's the piece that um, was kind of a revelation for me. And that that what that ended up looking like is that I do at least three things a day for my own happiness, just for my own pleasure, the more frivolous, the better. So I might take a bath, or I go for a walk, or I have uh, lunch with a friend, or I call my sister on the phone, or um, I love to play volleyball, so I do that, or I'll watch a comedy on TV. Somebody make me laugh, and when so, what I do is I really purposely plan and schedule that into my life. So if Somebody, like somebody Even if my husband was saying, hey, can you pick up the dry cleaning, and I know that I'm scheduled to do my self-care at that time and it would just be too much, I'll have to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. And then he's like, fine, because you know what? Given the choice between a happy wife and no dry cleaning picked up or a resentful wife and clean clothes, he's always going to pick the happy wife every single time.
0: Okay, Laura, we have a question here. Okay. This question. Uh, by the way, you can send them in via Facebook or Twitter. This question says, "I'm married and have three children, and yes, I work full time. Where is there time for me to do three things for me?"
2: Yes, oh, that's a great question. And so, and this is really common. My clients bring this up all the time, and they feel that it just isn't possible for them to practice any self care. And so, what I what I do with those kinds of clients is we get real creative so i had one client where um her kids would go to school in the morning and she had just a little bit of time after they left so she'd watch 15 minutes of a movie now it took her like almost two weeks to watch the entire movie, but just having that 15 minutes uh, to herself during that time versus maybe going in and doing housework or something like that right away helped out. Or you could put lotion all over your body right before you go to bed. You can spend an extra 10 minutes in the shower. Um, you can listen to an audio book in the car on your commute. I mean, there's there's ways to build it in. Um, and an- another uh, practice would be Now, people, to, if you
0: live in California, you don't get the 10 minutes in the shower. You, you put the lotion on okay? Because we've
2: got a <laughs> breath. That's right, not during the drought. That's right, you can't do it. So, you, so uh, you know, I mean, I've had women in the workshop raise their hand and say, you said three things a day, did you mean three things a week? And you're just not off the hook for from- with me because life is short and if you want to uh, you're giving yourself very little chance of having the kind of relationship that you really want if you don't make time for your self-care a lot of us feel guilty doing it like I had this one client where it was a school night and she announced to her family like I'm going in to take a bath and doesn't don't anybody bother me but she kind of didn't expect that to work she was expecting to see little hands under the door and little, you know, little voice mommy and so when 20 minutes went by you know, the cat's paw under the door, whatever. So so none of that happened. 30 minutes go by, 40 minutes go by, and no one's disturbed her. And she realized, like, she felt kind of disappointed that they could live without her for that long. She liked feeling important, and of course she was important to her family, but she was telling herself she didn't have time to practice self-care, and it wasn't true. She got out of the tub, and the kids were doing their homework, her husband was reading a book, nobody had died, everything was fine, And she realized that she felt better about herself, and she was going to be able to be a better wife and mother and co-worker and friend and everything else because she was taking care of herself.
0: Yeah, this is one of the things that I want to emphasize. In the world of stress that most of us live in, one kind of stress or the other, that stress in part comes from never giving the brain the opportunity to rest which allows us to flush cortisol out of our blood and cortisol everybody knows is a stress hormone that keeps you feeling like you know any minute somebody's going to jump out of the bushes and grab you and, and do something terrible to you so we want to flush the cortisol out for so that long bath that laura just talked about putting lotion on your body giving yourself a little self-massage even taking three really deep breaths anything that we can do to lower the stress in our own body makes it easier to show up in a relationship i just dare you to get all tightened up and get really 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 tense and then try not to be reactive to your partner
2: (laughs) it's not yeah and then everything gets you know he can get on your very last nerve just for you know, using oxygen if you haven't had self-care, if you're depleted. And so right. this the interesting part for me was that when I was controlling him, you know, I was always the armchair quarterback of his life. And the truth is I was really neglecting my own life. And what emerged for me when I stopped doing that, when I showed up for my own life, was I, I got to write, a New York Times best-selling book that was published in 16 languages in 27 countries. I got to go on national TV and international TV. I got to speak in front of a live audience you know, with hundreds of people in it, and all of it was terrifying. And that's what I was trying to avoid by trying to control his life it was a lot less scary. So it's kind of interesting to think about what might emerge for you if you relinquish inappropriate control of your partner and really show up and be present for your life and your own happiness.
0: Yeah, and that is a really good point because most of us focus on somebody else because there's something about ourselves that is hard to face. So when you talk about one of the skills I really like that you talk about in your book is this idea of respecting your partner. And again, I I want to make sure everybody knows that this is a conversation that's broad enough to include whatever kind of relationship you're in, whatever partner is right for you. So respecting the partner that you chose, talk about that. Because I think that dovetails with this whole idea of I'm going to focus on you in a negative way because I don't want to look at me.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely true. And so what had happened for me and for most of my clients is I developed this Superiority complex where I had this little song going to my head, like, I know better than you do. And so a lot of times he would do things and I would just, you know, roll my eyes, like, oh, I can't believe you're so remedial when it comes to putting away leftovers or something like that. And if you would have asked me if I was respectful, I would have said, oh, yes, of course I am. I'm respectful. I respect my husband, but it it wasn't true. And I think I didn't really understand what it meant to be respectful. And so, What's interesting is that the intimacy now occurs when I'm using some of the skills that I learned about how to be respectful. So, for instance, he'll be um, he'll just be talking about he runs marathons. My husband does, so he'll be telling me about his training plan and the route he's going to take and where he's going to hide his water bottles or whatever. And I'm not interested in marathons at all but you know he's telling me and it's it's his voice and his face and his ideas and he's sharing it with me and he's my beloved and in that moment it's just tremendous intimacy because i can listen respectfully without without commenting without giving my opinion without trying to
0: teach him or correct him or rolling my eyes (laughs) so you say that a man who feels respected by the woman who knows, and I would say any partner who feels respected is also going to get a boost in self respect. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Um, It's going to be all around. What we see is when uh, women will read The Surrendered Wife and then start practicing the intimacy skills and say, my husband got a promotion. My husband got a raise. My husband won the sales contest at work. My husband quit his job and started his own business. He's more successful than ever. And it's like, well, how does that happen? But if you think about having the home court advantage of the person who knows you best in the world, looking in your eyes and reflecting back to you that she thinks very highly of you, that she thinks you're smart, that she respects your thinking, well that is going to reflect on your self worth. And your self worth ends up translating into your net worth because it affects how you are in the world. So we see that. We also see that respect is probably the best aphrodisiac in the world for men.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So this yeah. is a big turn on. So yes we talk about yes. one of my favorite favorite topics, which is gratefulness yes and expressing yes. gratitude
2: right tell us more yeah, about had this come up the other day like i was so i was in my husband's office and just cuz i've done this work for 16 years now doesn't make me perfect at it right so i was in his office and i was thinking man it's kind of a mess in here so but i don't i just don't go there anymore cuz it's just not worth the price of admission to me like it would cost me too much in intimacy to make a complaint like that and plus what do i care i can just leave his office but so what i decided to do i kind of looked around and there was this one area that looked pretty clean so i said hey it looks like you've been uh, i've noticed you've been keeping your office cleaner lately and he looked back and he goes oh he goes yeah you know i guess i have thanks for noticing right so i'm just I'm, instead of focusing on what I don't want, I'm going to focus on what I do want and affirm that, and I call it the spouse-fulfilling prophecy because what we focus on increases. So why wouldn't I focus on and affirm the thing that's serving me instead of the thing that's
0: not serving me, right? So if I'm
1: going Exactly. I'm saying, oh, whatever
0: we put attention on, you are so right about that, Laura. Whatever we put attention on, we're giving energy to, and wherever we put energy, it's like watering a seed. It's going to grow.
2: Absolutely. So if I go around saying, that's just like you to lose your temper or you're always late, what am I doing? I'm just reinforcing the behavior that I don't want. So one of the fun things that we teach is the spouse fulfilling prophecy and how to affirm the things you don't want, or the things that you do want rather, because it's, it's, not true that someone is always late that's an exaggeration that's not an honest statement it's not possible right nobody's always anything so if you're going to exaggerate anyway why not exaggerate in the direction that serves you
0: okay quick question that just came in here oh it's a sad question uh my husband is a cheater how can i use any of these tools with him i'm at the point i almost hate him
2: you know, that is she brings forth a wonderful point, and I want to say that there are, I'm a big advocate for marriage, and there is such a thing as a divorce I endorse, and she just named one of them. You're just not safe in that relationship, and you're never going to get the kind of results that you deserve. You're never going to get the intimate, passionate, peaceful, feeling desired, cherished, and adored because, um, because unfortunately, that's like an addiction. He's always going to serve that addiction first. So it's if a man is not capable of being faithful, or if he's actively addicted to drugs, alcohol or gambling, or if he's physically abusive, then you're not safe in those situations. I really support you getting out and um, getting and being making yourself available to the kind of relationship where, that you really deserve, where you are desired, cherished and adored every day.
0: Yeah, and I would sign on with one caveat to that, Laura, because I have a strange little curve in my professional life that I actually led the first-ever group for batterers. That was a diversion project for the juvenile – I'm sorry, for the um, Justice Department. I almost said juvenile justice because I did one for them too. But this is where guys have been convicted of battering. They had to go to jail or come to my group. And when they came to the group where they had to show up or go to jail, you'd be surprised at the changes. So I agree with you, women are not safe. It takes a lot for a woman to step away and get the justice system involved. But once a batterer is convicted and there's enough outside boundary to protect you, that is the only circumstance under which I think you can say that he's forced into treatment and he's got a conviction hanging over his head. So go with Laura's advice, but there's that one little caveat, which means you can't be afraid to press charges, everybody. Okay, so now, Laura, we only have a few more minutes, and I have to ask you, why were you afraid to thank your husband for anything?
2: Because I thought he would stop doing it. <laughs> so, I don't know where I got this idea, but I thought if I said, "Well, thank you for taking out the trash," that he would consider that optional and stop taking it out. And of course, I was completely wrong, and the opposite is true. So, we have quite the culture of gratitude around here. We're just constantly thanking each other all day long for all the contributions that, you know, the other person makes. And I have just a fantastic story from a woman in my workshop, Isabella, who said, you know, she raised her hand. I suggested that she give her husband three gratitudes a day. And she raised her hand and said, I don't see why I should do that because I do everything around the house and no one ever thanks me. And so she grumbled about it quite a bit, but she agreed that she would do it. And on the second day, they were sitting down to dinner, and she had thanked him, you know, for watching the baby and thanked him for uh, taking out the trash and working hard to support the family. And they were sitting down to dinner, and he said, you know you've really taught me that we need to appreciate each other more so i want to thank you for making dinner tonight i really think it's wonderful and so she nearly fell out of her chair but i love that story because it just really illustrates how much power we have as women to really influence the culture of our relationships and make them pleasant and playful and passionate or make them you know tense and stressful and distant if we want
0: oh thank you so much for saying that because I can tell you where you got that idea. You got that from your mom. And all of us, as we're listening to what Laura is sharing, there's a lot of good advice here. I want you to check her out at g And the book is The Surrendered Wife. Now, she's coming from a point of view that sounds a bit like gee, the woman is being the doormat, but one of the things that she's sharing is that vulnerability is one of the things that's required if you want intimacy, right, Laura?
2: Absolutely. Indispensable ingredient for intimacy.
0: Indispensable ingredient. I love it. Well, Laura, listen. It's
2: like swimming without water. If you (laughs) Say it again. It would be like trying to swim without water to have an intimate relationship without vulnerability.
0: Yeah, exactly. So everyone, hey, pick up that book, put that on your bookshelf. You know, I'm always encouraging all of our listeners to get books and build a library. That course that Laura spoke about, Relationship 101, this is that course because those courses didn't exist for any of us, and we stumble around in the dark thinking something's wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with anybody. We just need some education. When we learn better, we do better. We learn better. We love better, everybody. And I want to remind you that I have a free gift for you. That's redundant, I know, but it is a free gift. And you can check that out. Hit me back on Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade. Tweet me, Dr. Brenda Wade. Go to our website, Dr. Brenda Wade, so that you can have the opportunity to get a free 60-minute tele-seminar called Are Your Love Patterns Destroying Your Love? All right, Laura Doyle, just a pleasure to have you as our guest, and I wish you the very, very best.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Wade. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. All right, everyone, until Don, our associate producer and to all of you for being part of the good love community i'm dr brenda wade bye till next time mm-hmm.